Things have to change. Again, it doesn't have to be everything overnight. The, the first thing that has to change is your mindset around the change itself. So understanding that you know that there are things that need to change. What is the first thing you're going to focus on? And it's not, and understanding that it's not going to happen 100% of the time. Do you feel like you just can't get ahead with your fitness or diet goals? Maybe you are so hyper-focused on your diet that you've really been letting the fitness goals or even thinking about fitness go to the wayside. Or maybe you're the opposite where you're really focused on movement, but your diet could definitely be dialed in. Today, we're chatting with Coach Bronson all about these specific details and how to marry both the concepts of fitness and diet how to set realistic goals for ourselves, how to gauge performance, and really how to have a better mindset around all of this. If you've really struggled with setting goals for yourself and really understanding the balance between fitness versus diet, this episode is for you. Now, Coach Bronson was on the podcast in episode 398 in December, where we were talking about keto carnivore workouts and motivation. And I loved his approach to changing diet that I wanted to have him back on to talk about movement and how it relates to diet and how to set up these key goals for ourselves to see changes over time. If you guys have been following me for a while on the podcast and also over on Instagram, I've been sharing my personal process of working out every day since August 2nd of 2022. It has been an epic quest. I've learned so much about my body and I definitely started with some of these little itty bitty shifts that we talk about in today's episode, which has really summed up into this pretty epic workout diet program that I'm now doing pretty effortlessly. So we're going to talk about how to change your life over time. And Coach Bronson is definitely the one to motivate us in this. So Coach Bronson got his CrossFit certification over 10 years ago. And since then, he's trained some of the best in the world of powerlifting, CrossFit, and other fitness programs and sports. You can find his book on Amazon and you can go to coachbronson.com to connect with him. So let's get into today's conversation. Hey, my name is Leanne Vogel. I'm fascinated with helping women navigate how to eat, move, and care for their bodies using a low-carb diet. I'm a small-town holistic nutritionist turned three-time international best-selling author turned functional medicine practitioner, offering telemedicine services around the globe to women looking to better their health and stop second-guessing themselves. I'm here to teach you how to wade through the wellness noise to get to the good stuff that'll help you achieve your goals. We're supporting your low-carb life beyond the if-it-fits-your-macros conversation. Hormones, emotions, relationship to your body, workouts, letdowns, motivation, blood work, detoxing, metabolism. I'm providing the tools to put your motivation into action. Think of it like quality time with your bestie mixed with a little med school so you're empowered at your next doctor visit. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn about your body and how to care for it better. This is the Keto Diet Podcast. Hey, Bronson, how's it going? It's going great. How are you doing? I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. I'm excited. It's fantastic. I just wanted to, to get an idea of what it's like to live on a boat and talk to you more about boat life. <laughs> and the interview is now going to be about boats. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's challenging. It's always changing. Yeah. It's a good time. 
That's awesome. No, definitely something that I'm interested in researching more now that I've talked to you a little bit about what life is like on a boat. Well, if you ever need resources or if anyone has questions about living on a boat, I have learned so much over the last, it'll be five years this August. And it feels like time has gone by. So I've learned so much. It feels like I've been doing this 20 years, but I know if you talk to cruisers that have been cruising for like 20 plus years, they're like, oh, you're so young, you know nothing. So I still have so much to learn. (laughs) Well, that's the same thing in in health and fitness, right? Health and nutrition and quality and working and wellness and coaching and things like that. When you're a new coach, you're like, oh, I got all this new information. I got all these, I know all this stuff. I want to help people. And then you talk to someone who's been doing it for 10 years and they're like, oh, you're, 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 you're cute. You've got so much, you've got so many mistakes to make. That's the thing. That's the, that's the really the kick, the kicker. Yeah. It's it's the mistakes that you're going to make. And that's whether you're a coach or just a general person on the journey, right? It's so true. That's so true. I know when I graduated from school, I felt like I knew so much until I met with my first client. And then I was like, I know nothing. I <laughs> am not prepared at all. <laughs> like, so, right? Oh my goodness. And that was 15 years ago. And I still feel like I could know more. And that's why I'm mm-hmm. always learning something mm-hmm. new. Yeah. Are you the same yeah, way? Like, You're just constantly yeah, learning? Absolutely. The, the learning never stops. And whether it's going to a certification or just connecting with other people in the space. I think I learned more from these types of interactions that I have with other people who are coaches who are kind of in the nitty gritty, getting dirty with other people. I get more actionable and more realistic feedback, even if it's just conceptually how they approach things differently than I approach things gives me another way to look at perspective and look at my clients because maybe the way I'm looking at somebody, the reason I'm struggling with helping them is because I'm looking at things from the the wrong perspective and talking to other people who have clients that may be coming from a different place than my clients are coming from, or they may be coming from a different place than I'm coming from gives me a different perspective. And as long as I'm open to that, it allows me to kind of look at my clients differently and look at the things that I'm talking about and how I approach things differently. Yes, completely. This weird thing always happens you know, in my coaching business where I'll have a conversation like this, or I'll read an article or I'll watch like a series of videos. And then the very next day I have a consult. And had I not had that conversation or read that book, I would not be as prepared for that consult. Uh, And it happens like on a daily basis to the point where now I'm just like, okay, I know I'm being prepared for something. So I'm just going to learn this thing. And I know I'm going to need it tomorrow. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And if if there's any coaches or people that are looking to get into coaching, listening to this, keep getting information. Even if you feel like the information is rote and it's repetitive and it's getting boring and you can't keep hearing the same stuff all the time. Take your, you, this is, and this is for coaches who are looking for information on how they can approach their clients differently and help their clients better. This is for anyone who's looking to make a change in their life. And maybe they've been following the same 15, 20 people for the past year and a half, and they feel like they're not hearing anything new. Listen for different things. So if you're listening for the perfect macro or the perfect scientific explanation that's going to solve all your problems or whatever, you're going to keep hearing the same information and you're going to be like, no one has my answer. Start looking at why are they saying that? What is the perspective they're coming at that problem with? What are they trying to accomplish with that information? And it's going to take you to a level higher that's a, that's above the, the scientific mechanism and the method and into the conceptual level 
which now when we're in the concept level, we can apply those things to our situation. And it brings everything together in such a much better way. And, and it usually helps answer some problems you've been struggling with. Yes, yes, completely. I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. So today I really wanted to hone in on a couple of pieces that we didn't really get to in our last episode that released in Uh December. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah, okay. (laughs) So the first one being fitness versus diet. And, you know, we... We can find it challenging. Do I focus on the fitness piece? Do I focus on the diet piece? Which is important? Do I have to, do I have to have both dialed in? And then the other part of the conversation, I really want to get into how to gauge our performance. So we've decided based on this conversation, is it fitness? Is it diet? Is it a mixture of both? How do I gauge whether or not I'm actually doing a good job in this? Because my understanding of my own body is things take time. You know, if I'm comparing my yesterday to today, it kind of feels the same. And so I really want to get into how to gauge our progression and performance on an ongoing basis. So why don't we start off by talking about your thoughts around fitness versus diet? Okay. I think when we talk about the the idea of fitness versus diet, the reason this is a discussion is because it's super easy to lose weight, even though people don't think it is. You can lose weight by eating, by not eating, I should say, and, or choosing what you eat more, more carefully and being more, more intentional about what you eat. It's easy to lose weight, but there's some problems with that being your focus, okay? Some people may be going, there's no way. It's not, it's not easy to lose weight. I would lose weight. I've been trying to lose weight for 10 years, and I can't lose weight. Well, that, one of the reasons it's not a good thing to keep just weight loss as a focus is because in order to do it, you have to mentally fight against a stacked deck. Your background, your education, your environment, your lifestyle that you maybe grew up in, all the food. Food is scientifically engineered to make us eat, especially if you're not eating whole foods. So there's a lot of things that go that are are pushing you towards not being able to control not eating. So it's hard to do that. The other part about it is biologically, We are designed to move our bodies. So if we do everything we can just to control our intake and we're not doing anything to offset that by controlling our output, then that is an imbalanced equation. And what does our body like to do the most? It likes to balance things. It likes homeostasis. So if I've got a bunch of stuff coming in, I need some stuff going out to balance that equation. So there's just, there's a lot of Again, we're going to talk a lot of concepts today. There's a lot of concept, conceptual things when we talk about what's better, fitness or diet, or diet or fitness or nutrition or exercise, however you want to couch that. And really, the question isn't which one's better. The question is, why does it matter? Why does it matter which one's better? If you're trying to, and this is where the difference of focusing on fat loss versus quality of life comes into play. If you're trying to improve your quality of life, then by definition, you need to work on both. If you're just trying to lose weight, you can stop eating for a month and you'll lose plenty of weight. That's not going to help you improve your quality of life. If you're trying to improve your ability to move, your ability to function day to day without having aches and pains and lack of energy and being fatigued and tired by the end of the day, if you want to, for me, like for, for, for us old folks, right? If I want to go play with my grandkids, if I want to go do stuff in my yard, if I want to 
be active, then I have to be able to do the things physically that my body or my lifestyle need me to do. In order to support that activity, I have to eat in such a way that my body is now nourished so that I can support that activity. So they are both equally important. Short answer long, they are both equally important. I, I tell people all the time that you can, a six pack is made in the kitchen, but a lifestyle requires exercise, right? In order to live your life independent, physically free, and not having to rely on others, medication, doctors, or aids, then you have to have physical ability as part of the equation. I think a lot of people feel like that is pretty far off, like the physical wellness piece. I think in a lot of people's minds, it's a matter of, well, when I lose the weight, I'll go to the gym or I'll get more physical. Do you, do you see that often too? And often. what's, what's your response to that? Yeah. Yeah. I see that a lot. And I also see people every single day who regret making that decision because it doesn't matter how, if it, if it takes you two years, six months, five years, however long it takes you to get that weight off, that is time that you could also be building physical ability. There is absolutely no need to wait until you've lost the weight. I didn't mean for that to sound the same, right? The, the, here's the thing that people don't understand is your body's designed to move. You need nutrition to enable that movement. If you are working on nutrition without moving your body and exercising, you're doing twice the work to get the same result. So you can actually worry less about your nutrition, make the process of nutrition easier by keeping it more simple, add in some exercise, you're going to see faster progress, you're going to get where you want to go faster, and at the same time, this is the cool part, you immediately improve your ability to function, physically move, and your quality of life because you are now building lean mass, building flexibility, building resilience, improving your immune system, reducing your risk of injury, improving brain function. I mean, the list goes on and on and on about the things that, that exercise can do for you. So when we wait to lose the pounds and then we exercise, we have literally wasted all of that time to improve our quality of life. Yes, completely. This is the first time in my life. I am 36 years old. This is the first time that I have combined proper nutrition mm -hmm. with proper movement. And I oh am blow, I am blown away at the progress that I've made in the last nine months. Like my body is very different than it was nine months ago. And I can't <laughs> yes. even comprehend what it'll be like after two years of being consistent. Oh my gosh. That. You're going to, you're going to look at, at pictures from a year ago and be like, who the hell is that woman? Exactly. Like, and beyond, you know, I got started on this because my mom got diagnosed with Parkinson's. One of the major ways to avoid uh, many of the complications of Parkinson's, if I were to get it, is to have muscle at the time of diagnosis. And so because this is a family issue, if I'm going to have it, I want to go in there really strong. And I said, okay, well, my, my macros are dialed in. I have a really good sense of my nutrition a really good sense of my food, but I've never moved in this way. And I am, you're right. It has been a matter of my nutrition now can be a little bit, not, I don't want to say loosey goosey, but it's really shifted and what my body can handle way more carbohydrates than it could previously. I'm blown away at how strong I'm getting by actually eating and working out. 
Because before, you know, that culture of, well, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to do a ton of cardio, I'm going to eat as little as possible, and I'm going to see what happens. And that is not, that that is what I did for many Yeah, and that, and that is what happens when you focus on half the equation. When you focus on one half of the equation, the level of effort that you have to put into that that half is quadruple the amount of effort than if you just split the load between the two. I mean, you're, you're basically, it's like you're taking a, I don't know, what's a good analogy? It's like you're taking a, a horse and buggy and you're trying to put all of the work that you would normally put into an F-150, right? Because you're not spreading that around to something that can actually handle it. Your body's designed to for fitness and movement to work with your nutrition. So if you're only working on your nutrition, then that's where people get stuck because it's like you have to be 110% on your macros. You have to do every supplementation. You got to, let's try intermittent fasting. Let's try this. Let's try that. And they're trying all of these things on the nutrition side, which if they just exercised, then guess what? All you got to do is stop eating processed food, stop eating seed oils, eat real food and exercise. And 90% of your problems will go away. You wouldn't be stressed about your eating window. You wouldn't be stressed about, oh my gosh, am I eating autophagy? Am I in ketosis? Am I in this? Am I doing that? Like, it makes the whole process so much easier. Oh, that sound of magic. I just shook a packet of Element Recharge watermelon salt in your ear. And if you're anything like me, you just salivated because you know that your body needs copious amounts of sodium to maintain your ketogenic diet. Now, sodium is the body's great solvent. It's a primary alkalizer. It's regulated by the adrenal glands, aka aldosterone, actually. It regulates the blood pressure. It increases heart rate. It maintains fluid balance and maintains pH levels. It also influences stomach acid levels. So if you don't have enough sodium, you're not going to be making stomach acid. You're going to be welcoming in parasites and all those sorts of things. I say to my clients, think of your stomach acid like the initial wall that stops all those little critters from getting in. Sodium also influences cellular membrane permeability and so much more. In addition, it's not just sodium you're going to find in element electrolytes. You're also going to find 200 milligrams of potassium. Did you know that the average body needs about 3,000 milligrams of potassium per day? I challenge you today to look at your food log and see how little potassium you're eating on a daily basis. This is a primary solvent mineral just like sodium, it's an intracellular mineral. It regulates the blood pressure with sodium. It maintains fluid balance, pH levels of the body. It influences cellular membrane permeability. It sensitizes the cell to thyroid hormone. So if you're having issues with your thyroid, the number one mineral you need to be thinking about is potassium. It also influences nerve conduction of the heart. It lowers heart rate, it dilates arteries, and so many good things. So I just went through two of the three main minerals in Element Electrolytes. Now, what I love about Element Electrolytes is the flavor. They're really salty with a thousand milligrams of sodium per serving. The stuff is good. I have it in my water bottle beside me. Now, I've been sharing Element for at least two years. I love this stuff. And Element has been so gracious with the offer for our listeners. 
you get a sample pack with any of your orders on Element. That's eight single serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors and decide that watermelon salt is your favorite. No, I'm just kidding. It's my personal favorite. I love it. Same with the raspberry one, but you get to try them and let me know what you think. You can get yours by going to drinklmnt.com slash KDP. This deal is only available through my link. You must go to D-R-I-N-K klmnt.com slash kdp to get your single serving packets for free with any order try it totally risk-free and if you don't like it share it with a salty friend and they will give you your money back no questions asked you really have nothing to lose and everything to gain so you can shake shake your element along with me i always carry it around in my purse i couldn't i couldn't imagine my keto life without it So why do you think we have all this busy work? Like that kind of deflects from our conversation a little bit, but why the busy work? Why do you think, you know, being in practice as long as you have, you know, I've written a couple of books that could contribute to the busy work of just like Mm -hmm. try fasting, (laughs) try this, that, and the other thing, right? And, And those tools are important. And sometimes those tools can be really, really helpful if you're dealing with some metabolic issue and you need to, you need the ketogenic diet and you need fasting to reset things. But why do you think we've created this landscape of do this and this and this and this when it's actually sure. quite simple? I think to, to not try to use big words, but I think it's a confluence of expectations. I think on one end, the expectation for people is to move more, eat less. That's what we've been told that it's our fault if we're not, if we're fat has nothing to do with the food, has nothing to do with society, has nothing to do with the, 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 the chemicals in the food, none of that stuff. It's just we eat too much. And so we are hyper-focused on we have to control what we put into our mouth. That's the thought process. At the same time, society is giving us a completely, absolutely false, altered, and unrealistic image of what fitness actually is. So we have this giant mountain in front of us that we think is fitness, And then we have this chasm of despair and guilt and shame that we live in because we think that we're fat because it's our fault. So not only do we have to climb out of that chasm and realize that it's not our fault, we just need to do better and learn better. We need to learn more and re-educate ourselves about what nutrition actually is and that the mountain isn't really a mountain. It's the same level as anything else. Just it might be a couple stairs you got to take a step up, right? It's not that hard. So the, the, the reality of fitness scares people, not the, the perception of fitness scares people. The reality of fitness is that it doesn't take much. Your body is designed to adapt to what you tell it to do. So if you consistently tell it, I want to do one more thing every day, then it will get used to doing that one more thing every day. And then a couple of weeks later, you can say, I want to do another one thing every day. And then you can do another one thing every couple of weeks, right? So the process doesn't have to be, I have to get in shape. That means I have to join a gym. I have to go buy clothes. I have to go in front of all these people. I don't know. Getting in shape can literally be, I'm going to start walk, walking up and down my stairs five times every day. If I have to go up once, I'm going to go up three times or something like that. Like that's all it takes. Your scientific exercise science, there's a, there's a, a principle in exercise science called specific adaptation to impose demands. And it basically means your body will adapt to the stimulus that you apply to it. So if you continually apply a stimulus, it doesn't specify 
how much of a stimulus. It just needs to be more than it's currently getting. That's all it needs. So if you just apply a little bit more than you're doing right now, your body's going to adapt to it. And what? guess what? When it adapts to that little extra, you have just become more fit. That is the definition of improving your fitness. And so the barrier to entry to, fit, to fitness is way lower than I think a lot of people expect. Yes. I know that one of the first things that I did was the steps piece. Like if I was, if I was uh, walking to my car once, I would walk because we have to park really far away. That's boat life. Hey. So if I walk <laughs> to my car once, I'll leave items in the car. I'll walk back to the boat, drop off some stuff and go back to the to the car to pick up more. And, you know, like maybe it adds another five minutes to my, to my process, but it, it really does make a difference. Like those totally little things. It. I, I mm-hmm. totally agree with you. The steps you mentioned, like going up and down the stairs, parking farther away, lifting two kids at once instead of one, <laughs> like yeah. using what you have. Is that, is that Make, kind of what this I'm is hearing? Gonna, this is going to freak a lot of people out. Make multiple trips, like you said. When you go to the grocery store, if you got a bunch of bags, don't be like a lot of people. Try to get all the bags and make one trip because it's easier. It's actually better for you. Take two trips. If you need two trips, take two trips. It's not that big a deal. That's yeah. I mean, if you got to take two trips, then that'll work. Yeah, exactly. And and one piece that you touched on was consistency. Can we just go into this a little bit more? And this kind of melds into the realistic goals piece I wanted to touch on. I think a lot of people, so we just talked about taking more trips, taking more steps, going up and down the stairs a couple of times and starting there and not having in your mind, now I have to get a new outfit. Now I got to get a gym membership and blah, 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 blah. What happens after we've been doing this for a couple of weeks and we expect to be totally shredded and down 10 pounds? How do we remain consistent? And is consistency really the name of the game with these things? Sure, sure. That starts at the beginning and why you're doing it. If you don't have a reason to do this that transcends time, okay, then you're going to get to a point where you're like, why am I doing this anymore? Because you ran out of a reason to do it. So, and there's nothing wrong if you can come up with a bunch of short-term things once, you know, over and over and over again. Every time you finish one, you got another one. Some people thrive that way. My, for instance, my reason for doing this is because I want to be physically independent. I've seen what it looks like for someone to waste away in their 70s and 80s and then just die, not even able to sit up in bed and say goodbye to their family. So that is nuts. I want to I want to be deadlifting, go home, go to bed and not wake up again. Like that's the life that I want to live. And so that, that transcends, there's, there's never a reason for me to stop doing what I'm doing because the minute I stop, the minute that reality ceases to exist. And that's the level of reason or why that you need to have something that transcends a time frame, something that is emotional, something that the emotion of your reason outweighs the emotion of your reason to stop or why you feel like you may want to stop or the temptation of something that's going to send you off track. So as far as consistency goes and keeping going, understanding that if you want to make this a lifestyle, what does lifestyle mean? It means the way that you live your life. Your life doesn't end until your life ends. That means this action, this habit, this, these things that you do to maintain your lifestyle don't end until your life ends. Yeah. And I think you touched on a really important piece there is defining your why. What I heard you say is like, 
making a goal to be 10 pounds lighter on your next cruise this summer probably isn't like the best way about it or are those goals still okay? Those, those can be, so here's the thing. So those are goals that can, that can align with your reason and they can help you move towards where you want to be, but they can't be, uh, they, I mean, I, I can't, I like, I compare your reasons or your why we talk about starting with your why finding your why I compare it to water in the desert or water in a well, water in the desert. You don't know how long it's going to be there. Water in a well, you know for sure that's going to be there for a long time. And here's the difference. Water in a desert, you can walk up on it and it's there. And then you can walk up on it the next day and it's gone. Water in a well, you have to dig and you have to maintain that well in order to keep access to that water. It will always be in the same place, but you have to make sure that you're doing whatever you can so that it's always accessible. So, and that's what your why should be like. You need to be, you should dig for your why. If you, if your why is something that's off the cuff, I want to do this for this trip. That's probably not going to survive when Sandy brings in donuts to the office tomorrow. And that's going to, that's going to be a a struggle for you. If your why is, I want to make sure that I am physically able to be around when my great grandkids are born and I can play with them and do things with them because I didn't have that with my grandparents. And that is something that you're emotionally connected to then who cares if Sandy brings in donuts? Has nothing to do with what my life is going to be like in the future. Yes, completely. And I find those short-term goals of, you know, the 10-pound weight loss before the cruise and those sorts of things, when we are at the event, like you mentioned, constantly having those string of goals and that works for some people. Oftentimes I find with my clients when they're at the event, then it's like, it's it's on. Like you're yeah, eating absolutely. all the things, you're not moving your body, you're just totally in the space of gluttony and it doesn't even matter and you're doing everything. Yeah. And, and then so, you got to start over again. All over again. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times people complain about, it's hard for me to be consistent. And the answer is you're not consistent because you don't really know why you're doing it. Completely. And it sounds like what you, what you said a little bit before it starts off, especially with the movement piece and even the food piece, it starts off with just using what you got and shifting and playing with playing with the resources that you have at some point though. And I know I noticed this for myself over the last nine months, really getting dedicated to this is like, my life has had to change to make space for the new life and the new lifestyle that's kind of taking over, you know, instead of sitting and watching TV for maybe an hour before bed, I will go for a walk with my husband. Then we'll sit down, we'll have a conversation, maybe drink some tea and then go to bed. And so it's it's a different, it's a different life. Or when I wake up now, I'm sitting outside, I'm reading my Bible, I'm getting ready for the gym. I'm going to the gym. I've moved my clients to the afternoon, like my entire, the entire structure of my life over time. I'm not saying like the next day, but over time, over the last nine months has shifted. And the the lifestyle that I'm leading now looks completely different than the, the nine month ago life. Would you agree that that's kind of the transition that you're taking through your lifestyle changes? Absolutely. I think that's a great way, not only that you're aware of those changes, but you can embrace that and then start looking at forecasting what other things would you like to see. And this is a great, this is a practice that I do with my clients is talk to them about creating that identity as a third person or who is the, who do they want to be in six months, a year, two years, five years, and then write down what does that person's life look like? So the identity of your lifestyle as like, if you say, okay, what, what do I want in life? I want 
no, no more medication. I want to be able to hike on a regular basis. I want to be able to lift weights. I want to play racquetball. I want to play with my grandkids. I want to go for walks with my husband or my spouse. I want to, you know, whatever the things may be, it may be, I want to be able to go scuba diving or I really, I used to do pottery, but my arthritis doesn't, didn't let me do that. I like to get rid of the arthritis so I could do pottery again. Who knows what any individual person has, right? But write down all of those things that you would like to see in your new life and create an identity around that new life. Because what happens is we have an identity of who we are right now, and it's based on the actions that we're living. And a lot of times, unhappiness comes from our reality not living up to the vision that we have of what we think is what we want. What we want. And we need to make sure we define what we want and then start making our actions match the actions of that other person. And then before we know it, then we're living that other person's life. Completely. I think one of the big mistakes we talked about in a little bit before is, you know, that Monday morning feeling of like, okay, it's Monday. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to get a new outfit. I'm going to like park far away. I'm going to do this. And we're doing way, way too much. And then there's the mistake of, okay, that's all really great. And that's definitely the life that you want to build for yourself, but then trying to fit it into the life you currently have and changing nothing. So you still have to drop off the kids. You still have a commitment here, there, and everywhere. And there's just not enough time in the day. Things have to change. Like there's, there's only so much time. Do you find that that's a big struggle as people want to build these diet fitness goals that they're just not seeing that things have to drop? Yeah, things have to drop. Things have to change. Again, it doesn't have to be everything overnight. The the first thing that has to change is your mindset around the change itself. So understanding that you know that there are things that need to change. What is the first thing you're going to focus on? And it's not, and understanding that it's not going to happen 100% of the time, but that you're going to continue to make an effort for it to happen because that's what you want that new lifestyle to look like. So if it's just the way that you think about shopping for food. That's a big thing. A lot of a lot of parents have kids, right? They got to figure out how do I shop for food now? I'm trying to be healthy. But I'll tell you right now, parents, if you're making this change, you better not allow your kids to keep eating the crap. And then come complain to me as a coach, as your coach and saying, well, I buy this for my kids. If you're not buying it for yourselves, your kids don't need to be eating it either. I'll just say that flat out. So, you know, how you approach food in the house is a mindset thing more than it is an action thing. So understanding that I'm making this switch. This is the one thing I'm going to change. It doesn't matter if I do X or Y or Z. I know there's 18 million things I need to change in my life. But right now, the lowest hanging fruit, the one thing that I am ready to change, that I'm willing to change, and that I'm able to change is I'm not going to buy Ben and Jerry's ice cream for the family on Friday nights anymore. That may be number one, right? It may be, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do something different. Or we're not going to go get pizza every every Saturday night as a family anymore. You know, we're going to go get wings or steak or barbecue or something instead, right? Something that's a little bit different. So the small change, and, and I really like the ready, willing, and able concept. If those three things don't match up, then you're trying to, you're trying to fix the wrong thing. Yes, completely. One thing I've noticed through this process of eating good, working out well, is building trust with myself. Like I set out to a goal. I said, I want to be stronger because I've seen how my mom has struggled with this. 
And every day I show up, every day I now go to the gym, which I did not start off going to the gym. You could not find me at a gym. Now, when I go to the gym and I finish and I'm like, look, I set out to do a thing. I committed to that thing and I followed through on it and I can trust myself with this. It's very much like the trust you build with a relationship with a spouse or a friend of they say they're going to do something. And when they don't, you lack trust toward that person. And I, I I really feel like we can build that trust to ourselves that now, you know, months into it, I'm like, when I commit to something, I've proven to myself that I can commit to that thing and actually follow through on it. And it is a wonderful feeling to trust yourself and trust your body and trust your word and trust the goals that you're setting. You're actually going to hit. Have you seen that being a process that's helpful for people in in learning? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I talk about this. Yeah. I talk about this all the time is that the relationship you have with other people is the relationship you have with yourself. So we need to start looking at ourselves as two people in many circumstances right? We need to trust ourselves. We need to love ourselves. We need to give ourselves grace. We need to be aware of ourselves and be honest with ourselves and not lie to ourselves. All of these things are the same things that you would say to your spouse about your spouse, right? So they work for for you as an individual as well. So the more aware you are at how you treat yourself in your own self-relationship, the better this process is going to be. Because yeah, working out, exercise is one of the only activities that we can do for ourselves, by ourselves, where we can give ourselves and a sense of external pride, as if we're proud of ourselves as a third person, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. It totally makes right? sense. We don't get enough, like how, how often does, do you wake up in the day, unless you have an amazing spouse or partner, and you get affirmation or a sense of appreciation from other people in your life? We don't get enough of that in society today. Working out is the best way that you can do that for yourself every single day. Completely. Perhaps you are supplementing with magnesium right now. Maybe you're doing a glycinate or a malate, or if you are wanting to get your bowels moving, maybe an oxide or a citrate. Magnesium is absolutely essential. It's needed for both glycolysis and the citric acid cycle, aka making energy. It's needed for 500 different enzyme reactions. And you've probably heard this and thought, I need magnesium. And you'd probably be right. But where a lot of us fall short is the magnesium that we're choosing. I've seen magnesium levels completely regulate by taking a well-rounded magnesium supplement. What I mean by that is a bunch of different forms of magnesium in all one supplement. And that's why I really love by Optimizer's Magnesium Breakthrough. This stuff is awesome. I pull a ton of hair tissue mineral analysis assessments month by month by month. And by far, just about everyone has a magnesium loss or absolute depletion pattern in their hair tissue mineral analysis. And I've used all sorts of magnesiums from creams to Epsom salts, magnesium salts, down to the malates and the glycinates. And I've really settled on the magnesium breakthrough by Bi Optimizers. So if you are looking for a well-rounded magnesium supplement that will help to calm your mind, help you fall asleep, stay asleep, wake up refreshed, look no further than Bi Optimizers. 
If you go to megbreakthrough.com slash keto diet, that's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com slash keto diet and use the code keto diet 10 all in caps. You'll get 10% off their magnesium breakthrough. I think what also we need to touch on as we're kind of in this realm right now is realistic expectations because we've talked about consistency and setting those goals and understanding our why, but it can be really hard if you're looking in the mirror and you're kind of seeing the same thing every day and you're kind of feeling the same every day. And it's just hard to understand like, at what point should I start seeing changes or when I look on YouTube or Instagram and I'm seeing all these people that are totally shred and nobody ever says how long it took them to get that body. Or, you know, they say two month transformation and you're like, bro, I've been at this a year and I kind of look the same. Like what, how do we set realistic goals? And if we're wanting to do like an entire, like if we want to be a totally different person, how long does that take? And what are the realistic pieces to that. Well, that's an, that's about as esoteric a question as we I know, can get. I'm if you sorry. want to be a totally different person, because <laughs> you could be a different person overnight, right? Yeah. The minute you, you, the minute you actually connect with your why and build that identity and commit to this is a lifestyle I want to live, you are essentially becoming a different person right then. Just because your body hasn't caught up doesn't mean anything. You are now living a different life. You are headed in a different direction. You're on the path to that, to that new identity becoming a reality. And that's really where the, the, the magic happens. A couple things to be honest with yourself and understand. If you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and you've been unhealthy most of, most of your life, it's going to take you five, 10 years to get to what I would call complete metabolic and physical freedom, okay? And it depends on how sick you've been, how hard you hit it, how consistent you are. There's a bunch of factors that go into that. Using myself as an example, I didn't get started in this process until I was 38 years old, okay? I'll be 51 in 10 days, 11 days, okay? So I'm going on, how many years is that? 13 years that I've been doing this. From 38 to 46, 46 is when I found carnivore. And that changed everything and brought the fitness and the nutrition together for me. And that's where I made, where I became metabolically and physically free. It took me eight years to find and go through the trial and error and the changes and the up, down, the losing 70 pounds, gaining 40 pounds, losing 50 pounds, gaining 60 pounds, being healthy, being hurt, not, you know, having IBS and all the issues that I had and just riding that roller coaster that everybody goes on because we're focused on one aspect versus the other. I, for me, I was the opposite of a lot of people. I focused on fitness more than nutrition. It wasn't until I already had the fitness and then found the nutrition, put the two together, that my head went boom, and now all of a sudden everything came together. Like you're saying, it's been nine months. And you're like, oh my god, this is amazing, and that's exactly what happened for me. So eight years of not stopping and continually looking for what's going to work best for me. If I had stopped. A year in, two years in, five years in, six years in, seven years in, then I would still be overweight, urgent bowels, IBS, and anxious and depressed and not going anywhere. It took that extra year for me to find the thing and put all of the pieces together. So the expectation should only be that you are not going to stop until you get where you want to be. That's the only expectation is don't quit. Yeah, completely. Do you feel like gauging performance, like 
as you're on that, I mean, it can be challenging, right? If you're, you're still dealing with the IBS and you're still dealing with XYZ and you're trying and everything's feeling like it's feeling and you're just like, when is this going to, you know, you're very much like me in that way. I'm sure it sounds like we're very similar in that, like, I don't stop until I find the thing. Like I, when there's a bee in my bonnet, there's still, it'll just happen. Right. And I'm willing to put in five years, 10 years, 15 years, it'll just happen. But if, if we don't have that same drive, are there ways that we can gauge our performance to know whether or not we're on the right track or oh, whether we need to pivot? Yeah, absolutely. And this is one of the other benefits of adding fitness into your, your, your lifestyle. When we, most people that I deal with, right, I deal with people every day that come to me with, I've lost a hundred pounds. My A1C used to be 12. Now it's five. My hypertension's gone. I'm not on any medications. All of these things, right? All their air quotes, health markers have gotten perfect, right? They've lost a ton of weight. They still have low lean mass. They're still over body fat. They still don't have a lot of strength, endurance, and physical ability. They still feel weak. They still feel like they're limited in what they can do. Their quality of life really hasn't improved that much. And here's the thing. Why am I stuck is the question that I get all the time. I get it consistently from people who have found keto, found carnivore, found a nutrition program that works for them. They've lost a ton of weight. They've made all these improvements. And then they run face first into a wall because they're only looking at what they put into their mouth. They're not looking at what their body can do. When we look at what our body can do, here's what happens. And I'm going to run down a couple of things for you just to give you an idea, okay, of the exponential increase in what fitness adds to how we evaluate our health and our progress, okay? We have 10 components of fitness, strength, endurance, power, speed, agility, balance, coordination, flexibility, accuracy of movement. All of these things are things that can be measured that we can say, am I getting better at any of these? Each of those 10 components of fitness affects our biology, our physiology, and our neurology. So if any of those are getting better, we know that physically our body is improving in some fashion. And the effect of those things getting better is going to be seen in the, me the medical markers and our body composition. We also have seven essential movements, seven ways that our body needs to be able to function. We have squatting, lunging, hinging, walking, pushing, pulling, carrying, twisting. We have all these things that our body can do. If we are limited in any one of those, then by definition, we are physically limited in the things that we can do in our environment every single day. So there's seven additional things that we can now look at. Are any of these things getting better, right? We have three metabolic pathways. We can process powerful movements by using ATP directly from our cells. We can utilize glycogen to create energy for our muscles to move. We can burn fat, oxidative, longer, more endurance type work. So we have three additional pathways of energy that we can train our body to get efficient at as we do physical movement and exercise, which gives us a broader range of activities that we can do from moving a couch to hiking 10 miles on a trail. So just looking at those 20 additional markers that are based on our ability to move our body, adding those to the five or seven body composition markers and the 15 or 20 or 30, depending on what you're looking at, health markers, right? We've now doubled the amount of things that we can say, there's no way that I can stall because something in this list has to be getting better as long as I'm consistent in doing what I need to do for nutrition and fitness. 
Yes, completely yes. Last time we had you on the show, we were talking about squatting and I actually had a ton of people reach out to me about the concept you just shared about those basic movements and being able to do them with ease. And that was such an eye-opening event for so many people. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so would progressive overload fit in any of that, of just being able to lift more, do more? Does that fit into? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm glad you're asking because so it's too bad we don't have enough time because I'm in the, I'm actually in the process of starting my third book, which is going to be basically taking all of these exercise science, nutrition science, mindset concepts and putting them into a comprehensive, here's how all of this works together to impact quality of life. So progressive overload is one of the subjects that I'll be talking about in that book. And it's the second half of the 1% thing I talked about before. So the specific adaptation to impose demand basically says any change that you make to your body is going to make your body change. Progressive overload says once you sustain that change or that adaptation, once your body's gotten used to that additional work, just add a little bit more. That's all it really means. So you add a little bit more, you get used to it, you add a little bit more, you get used to it, you add a little bit more, you get used to it. And it's basically the same way that you build and stack habits. You get used to doing something on a day-to-day basis. You don't even think about your, that you're doing it anymore. It just becomes what you do in your routine. It's easier to add an additional habit once that happens. If you try to add two habits right away, it's possible that that's going to overwhelm you. You won't keep either one. So it's the same way for your body. Do something that's a little bit more. I call it the 1% rule. It only takes 1%. When you get used to that, then add another 1% and just keep building on top. Yes, completely. Completely. I know how many times I tried to start working out and I used to do CrossFit many, many years ago before I injured myself. And when I thought about working out, I thought I had to be at the same level that I, that I injured myself with. And it was just such a a deterrent for many, many, many years. And you're so right. As soon as I said, I'm just going to watch a workout video and do it once a week. And I'm going to start there. And when I'm consistent with that, I'll add a second and then I'll add a third. And then I wasn't even thinking, oh, one day I'm going to end up lifting and talking about all these things. (laughs) No, it was just like one thing at a time, one thing at a time, 1% at a time. And that does add up over time. And it also helps so much with consistency because you're not having that big grand plan all dumped on you on a Monday. Like now I need to overhaul my life. So, yeah, and it takes the stress off the expectation. A lot of people have this expectation of doing all these big things. And then if it doesn't happen one day, then they're like, well, crap, I'm, I'm, I'm off plan or I'm out of track off track. I'm just might as well just stop. You know, I tell people all the time, we go through seasons. So there may be a season where you've, you've started a habit of, I'm going to go to the gym, let's say, or I'm going to work out at home, whatever it may be three days a week. And that's your new, your new habit. You're going to start building. Okay, great. Something happens at work and you're there like, you know what, for the next two weeks, you need to work, you need to work overtime or you need to work extra hours. And that totally messes up your schedule. And there's no way that you can make a full workout three days a week. So do 15 minutes three days a week and show up and make it a habit with even though the work is, even though the action may be different, the habit stays the same. So building the habit is more important than what you're actually doing in a lot of cases. If that makes, I hope that makes a little sense. 
Yes, completely. I totally agree. I was traveling recently and the last week of my three-week travel, it was so impossible to get my step goal in. And so instead of taking my usual 30-minute walks, which I do three or four times a day, I was doing 10-minute walks because that's all the time I had. But I was still getting out there. It was shorter time, but I was like, I'm still going to commit to this. Even if it's five or 10 minutes, I'm still getting out there and I'm not sulking because I can make five or 10 minutes work. I can't make exactly exactly. those little things. And now getting back into the swing of things, I'm like, now I'm doing 30 minutes again, easy peasy, as opposed to I totally failed. (laughs) I didn't do anything. And that's the other part of that, keeping trust with yourself. Now you're, you're showing yourself that this is important enough for you to adjust your expectation so that you can keep the habit and keep moving in the direction you want to go. Yes, completely. Oh my goodness, we could talk forever. Bronson, where can people find more from you, connect with you when this book is that you're writing? Like where where would they go to like find that or connect to make sure they don't miss it? Yeah, so coachbronson.com is a website. I've actually recently rebranded, so everything is Coach Bronson. Coachbronson.com is a website. The book that I do have out is Ultimate Ketogenic Fitness. It's on Amazon. People can go there and get that. And my YouTube channel is also Coach Bronson. That's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's always a blast. You bet. Thanks for having me. It's a, we got to do it like every couple months. We got to do this. I love this. <laughs> I love it. You heard it here first, guys. He committed to this. So he will be back. Coach Bronson, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Anytime. I hope you enjoyed our time with Coach Bronson today. Again, you can listen to our previous episode that we did, episode 398, called Keto Carnivore Workouts and Motivation. Check him out on his website, coachbronson.com. And if you have questions for Coach Bronson, I want to have him back on the show. So if you have questions for him, go ahead and find me on Instagram at Leanne Vogel and send me a DM of your questions for Coach Bronson, and we'll have him back on the show to go through whatever you want to go through. So again, that's at Leanne Vogel, and just send me your questions, and we'll get him back on the show for the fall. Okay, have a great rest of your day. Bye. Thanks for listening. Join us next Tuesday for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Looking for more resources? Go to healthfulpursuit.com for keto meal plans, weight loss programs, low-carb recipes, and oodles of free resources to get you going. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representation or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program. 